Welcome to Get Your Fix, a podcast bringing you insights and expertise in facilities management, brought to you by Vixo, changing the way the world sees facilities management. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Your Fix, a Vixo podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. As you're listening along, make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you're going to our website, vixo.com, for more information on our solutions and services and other content, including Get Your Fix episodes, blogs, articles, videos, and more. For this episode, we're splitting our thought leadership into two parts. So this is part one of two, and we're continuing our broader conversations with this podcast on the varying moving parts of a facilities maintenance program. This time, we're breaking down the role of beverage equipment maintenance, better understanding which industry and market factors are expanding beverage equipment to different facilities, some common challenges in maintenance, and strategic best practices to stay proactive with said maintenance. Maintenance. So here for part one of two, we're joined by Kelly Fitzroy, Director of Operations for Vixo's Coffee, Brew, and Grind Division, and Luke Poyer, Senior Director of Enterprise Performance, also with Vixo. Kelly, Luke, great to have you both on. How are y'all doing? Good, thanks. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you both on. I'm really looking forward to breaking this down with both of y'all. We've had a lot of really productive conversations with the Vixo team honing into specific facility challenges. This time, speaking to beverage equipment, uh, this is something that both of y'all have a lot of experience on, and we'll get more specific as to what that experience looks like from y'all and uh, the high-level uh, industries that you've worked with. But till then, let's break down some of the factors that are leading us to have this conversation. So more importantly, uh, why... Uh, we are seeing an influx of maintenance needs for beverage equipment intersecting some COVID context and otherwise. So let's go ahead and jump in. I think, uh, like I said, we need to start by getting COVID context out of the way, which has obviously reshaped the brick and mortar facility from top to bottom. So now that the vaccine is around the corner, which COVID challenges do both of you see being long-term effects on facilities moving forward and why? This year certainly has been different, I would say. One of the things that has really changed, at least the, the business that we're in, is uh, the work from home aspect is changing up the dynamic of when people are getting their coffee. And so it used to be historically, even even myself, I would get up in the morning, you know, do my routine and then head into work. And on my commute, I grabbed my coffee before I got to the office. And I think along with a lot of Americans would do the same thing. And that's changing with the work from home. Uh, now folks are you know, starting out their day and then maybe getting that coffee later in the afternoon because they're already at home and they're taking a longer lunch break to go out and get that kind of coffee fix at some point. I really do think that's going to stay for a while. It seems that a lot of companies are a little bit more open to that work from home that I wouldn't be surprised if we have more changing dynamics of where and when people are getting their specialty drinks. I would definitely echo that. I, and I think it's affected the foot traffic as, as well in a lot of these brick and mortar stores. And it's interesting, at least with my client, they were talking about far before COVID hit, uh, they saw a change within the industry and just a change within society of having delivery of pretty much anything, right? Mm -hmm. So it, when, it, when it comes to even getting a frozen carbonated beverage or, or, or something from the fountain delivered, they were already looking at that. They were also already looking at 
uh, touchless environments where it was actually a cashierless store, which is crazy to think about. But uh, that seems to be something that they may pursue even more because I would agree with Kelly. It, it really has just changed uh, so much about what we do and, and how we operate that I think that is here to stay. I think work from home for to a large extent is here to stay and our industry should be changing with that. I would also think uh, mobile ordering seems to be a really big hit. I know that's something that's had been starting even before COVID, but even more so has taken off so that you can make sure when you get there, you know, your drink is already ready. You can grab it and go on top of the delivery systems too. That seems to be the two kind of main functions. How can we, you know, still get the products that we want, but not spend a lot of time necessarily within the stores? That's a great point, especially in our industry, in the convenience store industry, where they still have to go out and get gas. They haven't started delivering fuel yet. And so as that <laughs> happens, uh, you know, they've, they've looked into that, even outside of the beverage component is being able to have hot health cases right there at the door. Uh, and a lot of other industries have used this as well, pizza industry, for instance. So you can, if you still have to go out, you can uh, get everything that you need from the convenience store just right inside the door and, and go about your day. So now I want to take some of that context and get even more specific with how all of that is intersecting with beverage machines specifically uh, and lay the groundwork for why they are becoming such a facilities staple. So with COVID in mind, but also forces beyond COVID, what are some of the industry shifts that you've seen impact the brick and mortar landscape and how have these shifts led to more beverage equipment or at least more use of existing equipment? Sure, I can, I can speak to that a little bit in, in terms of uh, the company that I deal with in that uh, the specialty coffee industry, interestingly enough, uh, you know, there's, there's a great cross-section here with what Kelly does is that these are somewhat competing industries. Uh, and, and so as the convenience store saw that specialty coffee was becoming more and more popular, they really wanted to get their, some sort of market share within that. And so that's been the largest evolution that I've seen in my 11 years with this client is that they have kept their standard offerings, but they really wanted to add specialty beverages, whether it be, in some cases, even craft beer, but things like a micromatic machine where you can have a specialty iced tea or specialty iced coffee, espresso, things of that nature, to be able to add that to their offerings um, has really been something they've been focused on quite a bit. In addition to that, we have, we've seen a lot more drive-through stores being created in order to help support the, you know, being able to kind of quick convenience to be able to get that specialty drinks. Uh, and when you have the drive-through stores, you typically have more machines because you have a couple of machines that help to focus on the cafe and then some machines just focus on drive-through. So it's almost like running two stores in one. Uh, and those, those stores in particular can be just crazy busy. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been out lately where you go through and, and go buy a coffee store and the drive-through line is always just wrapped around the parking lot and really helps to drive their business for sure. Then there's a few other things with making sure that we're helping the stores to protect their revenue. You know, we're also seeing a shift of trying to do work at different times during the day, such as uh, doing after hours program for their preventive maintenance. That helps to make sure that we're not taking down their revenue driving machines during their busiest times to help ensure that the, the stores can keep servicing their customer and make sure that they can have that convenience, but make sure it's fast, but still with the highest quality as possible. So I want to get more specific on a few shifts in uh, the brick and mortar landscape uh, and specifically for some of the industry segments that you serve and try to connect the dots between how these are impacting 
the usage of beverage machines. So let's start with a pretty high level one, which is going to be machine to machine data collection, uh, more generally just IoT connectivity. We've seen a lot of equipment integrations with IoT over the last several years. Uh, how is this impacting the use or expansion of beverage equipment uh, that y'all are seeing? I think this is certainly something that's that's going to be pursued uh, within our the company that I deal with at the moment. They aren't doing much in terms of machine to machine with the beverage equipment. We do see it in the HVAC and refrigeration side of things, but there's no doubt in my mind that as these beverage machines get more and more specialized, that we will see the machine to machine data collection, and that has a huge impact in terms of preventive maintenance. Uh, and just the overall asset life cycle. And so, especially as we get into the specialty beverage machines, and, and even on the standard machines, you know, the fountains and the and the carbonated frozen beverage, I do believe that we will see machine to machine, and that's going to take us to a whole new level. Yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. We actually are rolling out a couple machines right now with the customer that I work with that do have the capability of IoT. It's pretty insane the amount of data that you can actually see come through. Um, for we have the specialty coffee machines, and it literally is measuring every from thing from the number of shots that they've pulled, number of times that they cleaned the machine, what's the temperature of the shots being pulled. You know, just so much data so that when the technicians, uh, even before they arrive, they can actually look at the behavior of the machine and start doing some troubleshooting even before they they go in. It really helps them to be able to get to that root cause of the problem for the machine, keep it up and running longer, uh, as well as call out if we think, you know, in the future, we're, we're hoping that the IoT can help us to be able to see when problems are going to occur uh, rather than waiting for that reactive work to happen. The IoT is also right now helped to design a more in-tune preventive maintenance program. It's helping to be able to create the correct time of when to do it. Because before we used to collect the data on the machines every time that we were there for repair work to help us to gauge when the next cycle of uh, preventive maintenance would need to occur. And now the machines actually is, we are able to have that just fed to us and be able to cater the PM program to that machine when they're hitting their life cycle. It's kind of like a car. You know, when they hit certain number of miles, they have certain number of PM steps that you have to do at the certain number of shots pulled. So it's it's pretty cool. Really helps, again, to save money overall because you are addressing the right PM at the right time and helping to make sure that machine keeps running as long as possible. And that's a great point because, you know, with, with as many stores as, as we have and as many operators as we have, how often a PM needs to be done could actually be changed based on how the store is taking care of the equipment, right? So there's certain things that the store has to do to keep this equipment up and running. If they're not doing that, we would see that over machine to machine, and we may have to do a, a preventive maintenance service earlier than we would on a machine that's being taken care of on a daily basis. And so whereas we usually have manufacturer recommended frequencies to do these PMs, let's say quarterly, it could be that we could push that out a little bit. And, and obviously, all companies are looking to, to shave a little bit of money off. Uh, and if there's a way to delay that preventive maintenance visit based on excellent upkeep of that equipment within the store, that can save them some money as well. So there, there's so much we can do with this. And I'm a data guy, so I get really excited about this and could get really deep into it. But uh, I, I'm I'm really excited about what we're going to be able to do with machine to machine and the data that we'll get from it. This ties into COVID pretty neatly, but another factor that I've seen impact the brick and mortar landscape that 
is also uh, impacting the use of beverage equipment is the expansion of the drive-through, which for a lot of facilities has been incorporated now as a uh, full-time aspect of their operations, or if not even the drive-through, then at least some kind of curbside pickup uh, or delivery option. But yeah, basically the the drive-through, I think, in its totality is is really impacting the use of beverage machines in the brick-and-mortar landscape. What are you all seeing there? How are those dots connecting? And what should facilities managers in that space be weary of? Um, I can speak to it, at least from the, the coffee chain perspective, that you know, depending on what machine that the stores had usually used before, now we're seeing the predominantly heavy used machine is the one certainly for that drive-through window. Uh, so making sure that the employees really do the extra care and cleaning on those machines to help keep them up and running is very important. Um, but you will also notice that that machine's going to go through you know, the volume of shots much faster than the other ones. And so the prevent maintenance on that machine uh, is even more paramount to make sure that it can keep up and running because they can still use the other machines to service the drive through but it creates inefficiencies in their own workflow and doesn't make it very easier or a good experience for the customer. Um, so kind of keeping a close eye on how that machine for the drive through is performing is really important. We, uh, in the convenience store industry, haven't seen a whole lot in terms of the drive-through. It's interesting, actually, if you Google convenience store and drive-through, most of the time you'll literally see a car driving through <laughs> through the store. <laughs> um, and, and we deal with those quite a bit. It's so because of the expanded offering that's within the convenience store, drive-throughs really aren't used predominantly. Uh, however, the curbside pickup, the delivery, certainly, is something that they're looking into. Um, obviously, there would be minimum orders for the delivery, but it, it's something that was actually put in a couple of regions and did very well. Uh, so again, it, this was even before COVID, and and I'm sure it's only been expanded within that time to be able to use a delivery s- service, whether it's something that is actually uh, from the company or whether they use a third party to deliver it. That's absolutely something I see expanding in the future. All right, let's jump on from there to better understand how beverage equipment is integrating into broader uh, revenue strategies for brick and mortars. So even without COVID context, but obviously, you know, we have to include that in our answers as well. How impactful has beverage equipment become to brick and mortars revenue flow and why? How do you see it intersecting both as a potential opportunity or something that, uh, you know, is cutting into the bottom line? I just see it as an ever expanding market. It's interesting. We were talking about uh, energy drinks years several years ago and how that was becoming a brand new market wine and beer canned wine things that that have a longer shelf life that could be used in convenience stores we just continue to see the evolution of an industry and it's interesting because they still have their their standards they still have you know the frozen carbonated beverage and and the uh, carbonated beverages there but the market just seems to be evolving every day and so they've tried to keep up with that as much as possible to analyze those trends and to make sure that the, that there's a much larger offering uh, so that they can be a one-stop shop and be truly a convenience store. So I, I see that being a huge part of their revenue. Um, and if you were to look at the share of revenue, you know, cup counts are, are something that's extremely important to them. Local events to get people in and using those machines have become extremely important. I would say that that beverage equipment is, is really the lifeblood of the convenience store industry, particularly the client that I work with. Yeah. And, uh, 
least for the customer that I work with, you know, coffee is their business. So that that remains the same. But what is really important for them is staying on top of those trends. What is a popular drink uh, these days for a while? It was a blended beverage for a little bit. It was cold brew. Right now, uh, nitro is is huge. Um, so what that means is that every few years, you definitely get an influx of a different type of machine um, that brews coffee in a different way. And it requires really that kind of specialized knowledge to be able to know what these machines do and, and how to properly service them. That I think is the biggest thing from the facility manager standpoint is uh, the incredible variance of equipment. So my client has upwards of 300,000 assets in the U.S. and Canada, and it's just continuing to grow. But it's not just the fact that, that it's growing in number, but that there's so much variance, 10, 12 pieces of just beverage equipment within a store, and a couple of those are brand new. I would say that the more uh, complicated or different type machines that come out, the more that the manufacturers really do require those certifications. And so, uh, like Luke already mentioned, just staying on top of what that is, building relationships, not only with our, our client, but also the manufacturers has been really important uh, to be able to help us to kind of navigate those kind of changing landscapes and be able to help provide the best possible service. I know that's not easy to keep up on, um, but that's certainly where our very specialized group of technicians helps us to be able to really service as best as we can. With all that in mind, how have you seen facilities managers try to maneuver that high impact on revenue and that uh, ever-expanding market and, uh, you know, in turn, use of equipment? Has it been a challenge? Has it been an opportunity for them? What have you seen? Lisa, on our side, um, one of the biggest challenges usually when you're rolling out a new type of equipment is actually uh, with the associates within the store knowing the proper cleaning steps, knowing how to use the machine. Uh, so every time there's a rollout of a different type of equipment, there's usually a lot of coaching involved when we're in the stores. The technicians have to do a lot of training to help make sure that they know how to use it properly. And that's uh, it's not easy to get across if you you know are in charge of about 100 stores or so. Uh, and that's where we, we can help leverage you know our knowledge and, and bring it to the stores to help make sure that they can keep those machines working as best as they can. We see that opportunity as well, and that, and that's really what it is. Because especially when I talked about the volume, it's it's difficult for our client to understand even where this equipment is. When you start talking about acquisitions and and what I would call non organic growth like that, it's it's difficult to understand what's out there and, and gain control of what you have for assets. So there's an absolute opportunity to come in as a facilities management company and say, we're going to help you with that, right? We're going to find out where this equipment is because I'll, I'll, I'll say that uh, it's, it's difficult to service the equipment if you don't know what's out there. It's as simple as that. And so um, with, with a lot of these clients, they may not necessarily know. And so we, can, we have an opportunity to go in to find out where that equipment is, to bring it back to them and say, look, you have this brand new piece of equipment. Uh, and, and we can actually use that as leverage to go to our service provider and get them the best rate possible. There is absolutely uh, a benefit to serving so many different clients and serving assets that overlap because we develop economies of scale. Right, So we can go to that manufacturer or we could go to service providers and say, look, you can service all of this equipment and we want to use you exclusively, but we would like a better price. And so we can pass that on to the client. And so there's a great opportunity here. Yeah, and I would also say just being able to track the number of different assets, the ages of them that you talked about, making sure that we know how much money has already been spent. And if the asset is getting on the older side, 
you know, that's where we also partner with our customers to be able to help them with the proactive replacement of machines so that you're not continually spending money on a, on a really old machine that might need a, an upgrade to begin with. So having all that data in the background uh, is a really powerful tool that we can help manage it. That's a great point. So, you know, as we talk about asset lifecycle and proactive replacement, it's extremely important. Obviously, any downtime for equipment is, is difficult. But when you talk about the logistics of a machine being completely down and trying to get a new one in there, we're consistently and constantly developing different ways to make sure that the downtime is absolutely minimized, up to and including having units on a truck so that they can be replaced. We call it a plug and play. Obviously, that can't be done with larger pieces of equipment. <laughs> Trucks just aren't that big. But uh, with some of the smaller beverage equipment, you can actually have that or, or main component parts on the truck. And, and so that's one of the biggest things we try to do is a repair versus a replace analysis and provide data to the client to say, well, if you did this repair, it would cost X. Uh, it could be a betterment. We talk about capitalization, but overall we say, look, it would be better for you to just replace this equipment. And, and so we're just consistently going after uh, data to be able to provide to the client, this is when you should replace a piece of equipment and this is when you should repair. All right, let's get into the maintenance side of this conversation. So why do you see facilities managers struggle to keep up with their beverage equipment as part of this broader set of maintenance duties? Is there anything unique about this equipment versus other common equipment that causes trouble? Yes or no? Uh, why or why not? So there's quite a bit of uh, volume, as I mentioned before. Volume becomes an issue, uh, and, and especially since it's the same providers who are performing what we call the urgent reactive work. Uh, it, it, it can be difficult to schedule that just based on the sheer amount of volume that we have. But in addition to that, as we get into more specialized equipment and and smarter equipment, it, it's interesting, you know. So it's it's not just the mechanical components anymore. There's almost a, a programming language that you need to know to keep a lot of this equipment up and running. In addition to that, the equipment can be a lot more sensitive. Some of the newer specialty coffee equipment has to be cleaned by the store every day. And if they're not doing that, then we get more of those reactive calls, which pulls the service provider away from their scheduled route. And, and you know, it, be, it spirals from there. And so it's incredibly important to make sure that every stakeholder for this equipment is doing what they need to do, uh, including that daily cleaning and things of, things of that nature to make sure that uh, this equipment stays up and running. I think that's one of the largest challenges that we've seen. Uh, and it's just a matter of having healthy, open communication, providing training documentation to the stores where we can, or at least to the client for them to distribute. And so we are, we are working to meet those challenges head on. I totally agree. I think uh, the cleaning regimen is really one of the more important ones to help make sure that the machines stay up and running. And each machine might not only have a different cadence, but different cleaning solutions that need to be used and making sure you're using the right one and at the right time is, is definitely important to help the, the life cycle of that machine. I would say the other uh, complicated piece is that a lot of these equipment all tie into the same water system. Uh, so something that can happen often is that if the water system itself is struggling, so a lot of our stores have, have a, a larger water filtration to help make sure it's the cleanest, best tasting water. And if that has an issue, it'll impact every other uh, coffee equipment on that line. Um, so it's making sure that it's not just the machine itself, but the whole store has to be in top shape. 
think that's something that's only been elevated and, and highlighted based on everything that's occurred with COVID-19 because whether or not that equipment is sanitary comes into the mix as well. And, and so, you know, there, there's so many other components that go into this and water filtration is certainly a large, a large part of that on our side or the ice machines that are attached to the fountains and making sure that those are as clean as possible. I think that's something that that's really come to light in recent years. And it's really, really been uh, brought into the limelight with COVID-19 as we just try and keep everything as uh, clean and pure as possible. All right, let's get more specific now with what this maintenance process looks like for beverage equipment and why the common challenges that um, can impact facilities managers and teams are the common challenges. Uh, So let's start with just regular upkeep. What are some ways that beverage equipment limits or uh, makes difficult a sort of consistent check-in and upkeep of the maintenance? Is it the equipment itself? Is it just keeping track of it with the broader portfolio of equipment that facilities managers already have to oversee. Give us some thoughts there. I'll take a stab at this one, but the uh, super automatic espresso machines that uh, we see a lot in in our customer have a lot of moving pieces, a lot of different parts that all have their own regular schedule that need to be maintained and help to keep it running smoothly. Um, This machine grinds the coffee, boils the water, tamps it and pushes it through as well as doing steaming the milk on the other side of the machine. And each one of those parts has not just a daily routine, but also uh, in between making drinks, the associates have to do things like flushing in between as pulling espresso shots and cleaning out the steam wand to help make sure that it's up and running uh, for as long as possible. If those items aren't done at a regular cadence throughout the day, then even that daily deep cleaning that happens with a cleaning solution uh, won't be able to help prevent kind of that buildup over time. And that's where we see some bigger problems occur, you know, with the machines that require more extensive repairs. So it really does boil down to the associates knowing all of the different cleaning steps that they have to do and not just the, the big cleaning at the end of the day. I think Kelly hit it on on the head there. Really, it, it's it's making sure that this equipment is is maintained daily or or weekly or however often it needs to be within the store itself, um, irrespective of what we're doing on the actual scheduled maintenance. Obviously, they they go hand in hand, but that's one of the biggest issues we see is when a service provider shows up to do a quarterly or even a semi-annual maintenance, and there's so much more that they have to do as part of that to keep that equipment up and running because that equipment wasn't necessarily maintained on a recurring basis within the store itself. Uh, We do see that, and that, that becomes a challenge. And so, again, I think it just comes back to making sure that the store has everything they need to maintain that equipment everything they need to just to make sure that they can do what they're required to do. I would also say the more complicated the machines get, the more moving pieces there are. When there's moving pieces, there are seals and O-rings and things that are actually designed, not necessarily designed to fail, but designed that they have high friction and have to be replaced within that preventive maintenance cycle. Um, so the store does their part of keeping it clean and flushed as often as they can. Um, but then the prevent maintenance itself is required to help make sure that it can maintain the optimal running. 
And, and I have seen that as well. There has absolutely been a, a major leap in how complicated these machines are. So not only does it mean that you need to have more specialized technicians working on it, but to Kelly's point, it's just absolutely essential that all of that equipment is kept kept up and running uh, and that we, we replace things at, at normal intervals. And it just has become just a broader work scope for the technicians that are going out and for the stores as well. All right, so these next two kind of go hand in hand, but one of them is new employee training. So basically getting anyone that's fresh to the team acquainted with how to use the equipment and how to monitor and upkeep it, but then also learning curve on new equipment. So for existing employees, if there is a fresh piece of equipment that comes in, an upgraded uh, you know, beverage dispenser, getting them acquainted, even though they already have some familiarity with this kind of equipment on how to uh, maintain it, uh, any new integrations to keep an eye out for, et cetera, et cetera. So how do these two kinds of training, both new employee training and then training on new equipment, uh, create some challenges for maintenance of beverage equipment? Convenience stores is, 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 can be a high turnover environment. And so that is a, a problem and an opportunity just to make sure that we have the best training materials out there. For the most part, the client is doing that. Our direct contact with the stores is somewhat limited. However, for when our field representatives are at a store, they can certainly talk to that store if they have any questions about, about how that should be cleaned. And we do try and provide as much documentation as possible from the OEM to the client so that they can distribute that. With the amount of locations we've got, it makes more sense for it to be coming through Corp. But we do try and provide everything that we possibly can, at least for my client, to make sure that if there's a new employer or a new piece of equipment, that they have as much information there as possible uh, to be able to perform their duties. Yeah. And I would say for our customer, the, the concept is the same. You can have a lot of new folks coming into their store who need to be trained, uh, as well as when the new equipment comes out. I think I'd spoke to that before, that we have to help be those experts to be the ones who are continuing to address any training needs that the store might have. We've actually partnered with both the manufacturer and the customer to help actually create some of those documents so that we can be there to help pass them out when we're in the stores. They use uh, our technicians very closely to be able to get that feedback if they continue changing, whether it be on cleaning or just proper use of the machine itself. Um, so we're definitely seen as a, a close partner with the customer to help them make sure that they can get that training rolled out as effectively as possible. All right, that does it for our conversation so far. Kelly, Luke, thank you again for joining us. Again, this is only part one of the conversation, so we'll be back soon with part two. But again, thanks for helping us better understand the role of beverage equipment maintenance in the broader facilities maintenance and management sphere and some of the factors that are influencing the need for expanded beverage equipment maintenance. Again, we've been chatting with Kelly Fitzroy, Director of Operations for Vixo's Coffee Brew and Grind Division, and Luke Poyer, Senior Director of Enterprise Performance with Vixo. We'll be back in part two with conversations around budget considerations for beverage equipment maintenance, how to strategically bring in a third-party partner, how Vixo supports maintenance, and finally, some best practices for beverage equipment maintenance needs. In the meantime, make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a full catalog of previous episodes and notifications when we drop new ones. And make sure you're going to our website, vixo.com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.